Good morning, people of God. This is Apostle Shirley Evans bringing you a word from God, healing, deliverance, and uh, prophetic worship songs. Today is October the 19th. Today is Monday. The time is 10.32 a.m. October the 19th. 2020, the time is 10.32 a.m. Well, this morning, it's just amazing how, how the Holy Spirit is going to flow because he, he started off this morning um, flowing with healing and deliverance. And I'm going to get in that a minute, but uh, to know him in his suffering. And of course, we're speaking about the glory. But I want to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for your people of God who are going to receive this word from you today. Teach us, O oh Lord, to be sensitive, to hear your voice, because your word, your written word is there, but your voice, you're still speaking, and my sheep know my voice. Teach us to listen to your voice. Teach us to be sensitive, to hear your voice in the name of Jesus. Help us to not let any other thing cloud us from not hearing your still small voice. And so Father God, I pray that everyone that receives this word today, it will find them in perfect peace once their mind is stayed on you. Heavenly Father, we adore you, we glorify you, we magnify your name, we exalt you and we lift you up today. There is none like you. No one else can touch my heart like you do. I've searched throughout eternity, Lord, and find there is one like you. And like I said, this morning is a different day. And he's in heaven. He's with us. He's in us. He's all around us. And so I'm always saying, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. His mercy endures forever. And so this morning, I got up with a terrible, excruciating pain in my left eye. It felt like someone took a bucket of sand and poured it in my eye. It felt like my eye was swollen twice the size. And the pain. And not only was it paining, it was draining. And not only was the eye draining, but the nose was draining. And then my, my, my kneecap was swollen and the pain was excruciating as if I couldn't 
I couldn't really move it. It was so bad. And I began to give God thanks, but I began to say, okay, Lord, whose infirmity you're allowing me to take on today? Because I knew someone, I was touched by someone in the spiritual realm who was sick. And as I began to walk down the corridor, he gave me a name. And I was like, okay, I know that person, but I can't. It's too early to call. And so I go to get something and I turn to come in here to send a message. I said, no, you have to call to pray for that person. So I picked up the phone and I called and sure enough, there's more than one person living in that house, but that man of God answered that call. I could hear his wife in the distance. And I began to tell him what is going on. He said, oh, oh, Sister Shirley, that's me. It is my left eye. Stuff is draining out. And I heard his wife in the background said, and his nose is running. And so I prayed for him. The Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of it all. And so see, when Jesus went about, he was able to feel the sickness in his body. He took it on. Okay? For the healing of the people. I remember when God said, I'll call you in the healing and deliverance ministry. That's it. And so when the afflictions would come on me, if I'm in the front of somebody and, and I would know, I would have a word of knowledge what was wrong with them, but not only would I have a word of knowledge, but I felt it in my body. And so it was strange then. Well, it's not so strange now, but still sometimes when it happens, I'm like, is that me or who is it? And so matter, no matter where the person is in the world, if he allows me to take it on, I pray, and next thing you know, maybe a day, maybe two days, maybe three days, it's gone for me. And it's gone from the person. The manifestation takes place. But when we decided, okay, God, I'm going to yield to you, Holy Spirit, and I want to be that vessel you can use, I want to be more like you. Jesus, I want to be more like you. I want to be a vessel you work through. I want to be more like you. Whatever gifting God used you in or gave you, you stay right in that. Don't envy nobody else for whatever gifting God gave them. Because you don't know what they went through. You don't know what grace God gave them for the journey. That You don't know. Okay? You have absolutely no idea. So the thing is, when, when there's different dimensions of intercession, there's different dimensions of the anointing. And the anointed one 
or is on the inside of you who's doing the work and so if he calls you to sweep sweep <laughs> if he calls you to teach well he'll give you the grace for that so therefore he would have given me the grace for healing and deliverance because my body wouldn't be able to handle it okay because because you then take on the person who is sick so you feeling everything so that's what's happening to me this morning so I might sound to you like, oh, Sister Shirley, stuff up and got the cold. No, I've taken him on what's going on with him. It's on me. Now God is going to deliver him. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. We give him glory and we give him praise. And so while I was praying for him and, and, uh, and we were interrupted by a, a, a telephone call that came into him, as as the eruption came on the holy spirit gave me a revelation he said the brain sends messages to your body when sickness occur it starts from the brain he said you can't lift your head your hand your fingers unless the brain is functioning to lift it the brain tells the hand to move. And if part of your brain is dysfunctional, part of your body will be dysfunctional. I was like, what? Yes. So then God began to say to me, the person that I was praying for, he showed me and told me there's a pressure behind the eye. It's swollen behind. And I was, as I was praying, I literally in the spirit saw the hand of God like a cup, cupping that eye. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. And so blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. The woman who had that infirmity, I said before and I'll say it again. She did not physically touch Jesus. It was a spirit to spirit. I'm here in my house. The man of God and, and his wife is way yonder wherever. But I'm here. And so by the spirit, even as I'm speaking and praying, there's someone with a pain in their stomach. I feel it on the right side of their stomach. Father God, your word says that David said many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of it all. So I speak healing to whoever is going to be receiving this, this message this morning because his healing anointing is surely flowing. His deliverance is flowing this morning for those who are open by faith to receive it in the name of Jesus. And so God is concerned about everything that concerns us. And he perfects those things that concerns us. He loves us that much. He cares. 
He's still the healing Jesus. He's still here today. And so after I'd finished ministering to him, ministering to him healing, uh, God began to tell me this, 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 this excruciating pain in the knee. And he began to tell me who it is. It's someone I know. So he said, call her. So I called this woman of God. Sure enough. And so I prayed for her. You could be in Africa. You could be in Australia. And if God places it on you, you feel it. And you pray for the person, even though you don't know them. So this is a morning. I say to whoever is going to get this message, because when you see the lighthouse, that light is shining in different directions. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, your healing anointing is spread this morning to touch the heal and the liver. So, whoever's going to get this, if they have a headache, if they have a toothache, whatever pain it is, if they have a, 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 a mind of depression, God, I speak that you bring peace. Touch their bodies in the name of Jesus. The songwriter says, he touched me, oh, he touched me, and all oh, the joys that floods my soul, something happened, and now I know, he touched me and made me whole and so he's touching some people this morning and we give him thanks in moments like these i sing out a song i sing out a love song to jesus in moments like these i lift up my hands I lift up my hands to the Lord, singing, I love you, Lord, singing, I love you, Lord, singing, I love you, Lord, I love you i am the lord that healeth thee i am the lord your healer you sent your word and healed our disease i am the lord your healer and so our father we thank you for your healing balm there is a balm in gilead to heal the sin sick soul there is a balm in gilead to make the wounded whole there is a balm so the healing balm 
is flowing today. Receive it in the name of Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend, who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the souls of men? Oh, you rescue the souls of men. Counselor, comforter, keeper, spirit we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost the way. Oh, we hopelessly lost the way. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace. Our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. Almighty, infinite Father, faithfully loving your Here in our weakness you find us falling before your throne. Oh, we're falling before your throne. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace. Our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. And when I was singing, I hear the Holy Spirit said, obedience is the key, you know. So matter, so no matter how I feel this pain on me this morning, obedience is the key. Do what God has called you to do. He's graced you for it. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord executed righteousness and judgment for all that are oppressed. He made known his ways unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to mercy anger and plunges in mercy so we thank him for healing this morning we just bless his name oh taste oh taste oh taste oh taste and see that the lord is good blessed is the man that put his trust in him let your living waters flow over my soul let your holy spirit take control complete control of every situation that has clouded my mind 
Lord, I give to you the complete control. Father, Father, Father. Let's call on Jesus, 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 Jesus. And someone is having a problem, a ache in their right hand, almost to the wrist. I'm laying my hands on it even now that I'm feeling it. And I pray that God will deliver you from that, from that pain, from that pressure, from that affliction, from that infirmity in the name of Jesus. I bless you, Jesus. Lord, you're just wonderful. You're all that. You are the I am that I am. Yes, you are. Yes, you are the wonderful, merciful Savior. So here at this morning we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna go to uh, Psalm nineteen. I love you, Jesus. There is none like you. I heard someone in the spirit say, "What about me?" And God said to tell you, He's touching you even now. Even now he's touching you. Blessed be the name of the Lord Jesus. Psalm 19, the heavens declare, we're not going to read all of it. The heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament and the firmament showed his handiwork. Day unto day uttered speech and night unto night showed knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Their line is gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. In them hath he set a tabernacle for the sun, which is as a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoiced as a strong man to run a race. His going forth is from the end of the heaven and is circuit unto the ends of it and there is nothing hid from the heat thereof. And so we thank God, we thank God, we love you, Lord. I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I will trust, my buckler and horn of my salvation and my high tower. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from mine enemies. The sorrows of death compassed me, and the floods of ungodly men made me afraid. The sorrows of hell compassed me about. The snares of death prevented me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into, the, into his ears. Then the, then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken because he was wroth. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, yes, you hear our cry. Yes, you know our frame. The glory, we have this glory in 
are earth clothes or earth suit or earth garment. The glory of God in human form, fully alive, fully alive. Mary was carrying the word and the glory all wrapped up inside of us, of him, and, and he came out fully alive and put on earth suit. So in his humanity, he was wearing earth clothes. The word became flesh. Every day we enjoy the benefits of someone else's glory. I'm enjoying the benefits of the glory of the person who did the telephone. I don't know how to do a tele make telephone. And most of the time we aren't even aware of it. For example, have you ever considered where the telephone came from or where the light came from? Think about it. Think for a minute. Sometime, somewhere, someone invented it. What about the spoon that you put in your mouth or the fork that you use every day? Someone invented it. And that the telephone, the water tap, the spoon, the fork, whatever, it's the expression of someone's glory. They had the potential in them, but they had to bring it out. The thought was in them how to do it, but they had to speak it and they had to do it. They had to make it. What would, would life be without, without, oh, what would life be without, well, we wear shoes now, we wear tennis. But what would life be without a dressmaker? to make your dress, to put a zipper in it or buttons on it. Because if she just made it and didn't make the neck wide enough to put over your head, ah, you'd have a problem getting that to work on you. It'll be just a big gown. So simple things we take for granted. We have to remember, glory came out of someone. God would have given them that knowledge, that vision of how to do it. Even when we go to the bookstore, I'm sitting in here and my library in here, I'm sure there's about 200 books or more. And each book was written by someone. God had to have given them the revelation, the inspiration, the insight to write. And they brought their glory out. But some people died and they never, if they were a writer and it was in them to write, they never wrote. So they died with the glory inside, not manifested. So every time I come out here, I see all these writers, they, they people, some of them, most of them are dead. 
but, but the glory came out of them because I'm reading their books. Underneath every dust, every jacket of those books, and between every set of covers is the priceless treasure of an author's exposed glory. So whenever you buy a book, you're purchasing someone's glory, the cherished product of his or her time. Because it takes time to write a book. It takes energy, it takes effort, and it takes a passion to do it. By the very act of reading the book, you are being exposed to whoever, whoever wrote it, their glory. I'm looking on my shelf right now and I see a book. It says, Eat and Heal. Well, whoever wrote that book, we're going to read it. We're going to learn some stuff. But it's their glory manifested. What about you? What about you? And what about you? Will anybody ever read yours? Will your glory ever be on display for others to enjoy? The problem with many of us today is that we don't really know who we are. Well, I know that some of us, we are beaten down by words. And it gets even painful when it's words from the believers or the so-called Christians. And when we don't have no revelation, we believe what they say. Because they will tell you, oh, you ain't got no glory. Only God glory. And don't ever say you have glory. And so when you have that mindset, because that's what you are taught, and you don't know the truth, you better go search the truth in the word of God for yourself. We have either forgotten or simply stopped believing what the Bible says about where we came from and why we're here. So some people have never known. The little boy on TV say, knowledge is power. We have, we have either forgotten or simply stopped believing what the Bible says about where we came from and why we're here. Some people never know. This ignorance of our identity and purpose as humans pervades every society and culture around the world. The, the prodigal son was in the house, but he decided he wanted his inheritance. He wanted to go. So he left and he went, we don't know how long he went, but he lost his glory. So he was out there with the swines and wherever he was. And when he realized, hey, there's glory in me. How did I get here? I'm in the wrong environment. I need to return to my father. So I could imagine him talking and talking on his way because he didn't know that his father was going to accept him again. But he had to come to himself. He had to recognize that glory was inside of him. He was not what he thought he was that the world made him to be. Unfortunately, 
This is also true for many religious believers today. The adversary has been very effective in keeping us blind and deaf to the truth. Even as believers, many of us wallow daily in guilt and self-pity with little awareness of our royal heritage of God's children. Our lives are stuck in a rut and we have no inkling of the great God-given potential within us, much less how we bring it out. Our glory is bound up, suppressed and hidden away. Every human on earth is an undiscovered treasure chest of God's glory. Millions will die depositing their glory in the grave. You know what God had to do for me, with me? I'm not saying he'd do with everybody, but I'm sure he's going to do with us, a lot of people. He had to actually pull me out of tradition and religion to sit me down to teach me in the word. And the Holy Spirit had to be the one to revelate me and give me understanding as I yielded. Every day is <coughs> giving me revelation. Now, so you have to excuse me because <coughs> remember, I'm still in intercession and, and, and God is delivering the person, okay? And so we thank God for deliverance this morning. Oh, what an awesome God, what an awesome God. Even as believers, we, we wallow daily with guilt and forget the God-given potential that is within us, much less how to bring it out. Every human on earth is an undiscovered treasure chest of God's glory. Millions will die depositing their glory in the grave. Sitting down on do nothing street when the glory is in them saying, let me out, let me out. To make matters worse, many of the pronouncements of modern science over the past couple of centuries have helped diminish man's view of himself and his place in the universe. Many scientists tell us that compared to the infinite vastness and the cosmos, we are small and insignificant. I'm not small and I'm not insignificant. And God, the Holy Spirit had to show me that. When I would be walking with my head hanging down, he would tell me, raise your head up. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. That's how much I was oppressed and depressed and suppressed. Pressed. Nothing more than the product of billions of years of random, mindless evolution. This comparison, however, proves nothing. While it is true that anyone who takes the time to ponder the heavens can end up feeling tiny and unimportant. When I was a child, the school that I went to, it was a huge, massive, huge school. When I became a woman, and years later, went up to the island. The school was so small and I was like, how did the school shrink like that? So my tiny mind saw a huge school. 
as I got older and my mind expanded, I saw a tiny building. Now you can laugh at me as much as you want, but my mind is expanding to the point I went away on a mission. I'm not sure whether it was in England or might've been in Canada. And when I came back and I went in my bathroom, I was like, what happened to my tub? It shrunk. Now listen, a tub can't shrink, right? But my mind had expanded and the tub was small in my eyes. It's amazing. And when my plumber came, I said, Mr. Gibbs, I don't know what happened, but my tub shrank. <laughs> he laughed at me. So your mind could be expand elevate your mind and let god take it higher let him expand your mind <laughs> while it is true that anyone who ponders who takes the time to ponder the heavens can end up feeling tiny and unimportant we need to remember that physical size has never been an accurate measure of true worth he's made us lower than the angels or lower than God. One of the greatest expressions of the dignity, worth, and place of man in the universe came not from a scientist or great intellectual thinker, but from a humble shepherd king from the hills of Judah in ancient Israel. As a shepherd, David must have spent many nights contemplating the heavens above him. One night I sat outside and and it had just gotten dark, but you could you, you you could almost see the moon coming out. And all of a sudden I hear the Lord said to me, the sun has gone to sleep and now the moon is awakened. Could you imagine David as he was hiding out? Father, in the name of Jesus right now, I still feel that pain for that person in their stomach. I speak healing in that area right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord. As a shepherd, here is David. He must have had, had many, many nights contemplating the heavens above him. The Bible tells us that David was a man after God's own heart. First Samuel chapter 13 verse 14 declares, First Samuel chapter 13. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Verse 14 says, This is First Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. This is about Saul's first sin at Gilgal. It says, God was going to deal with Saul. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. See what Samuel the prophet came to Saul in verse 13 said, Thou hast done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandments of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. 
but now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord had sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord had commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. So when we continue to disobey God, yes, that's the same loving kind God. He can banish us. He could pull us aside and he could put someone else in the place where he had you. Remember that. The same God. Over and over, God would say, stop that. But no, you won't. Which means that David's heart and mind were in tune with God. Because of this intimate relationship, David was sensitive to divine revelation by which he was able to give a much less description of man's relationship with God and the rest of creation. Psalm 8 verse 1 um, and Psalm and 3 to 8. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, who have displayed your splendor above the heavens. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that, that, that you take thought of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than God, a little lower than the angels, and you crown him with glory and majesty. You make him to rule over the works of your hands. You have put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea, whatever passes through the paths of the seas. When David considered the heavens, he was so impressed, not with the smallness of man, but with the greatness of God. Splendor is another word for glory. And David describes that splendor as the work of God's fingers. Glory is tangible and observable. David's question was, what is man? Indicates that he recognized humanity's apparent smallness against the backdrop of creation. His next statement, however, reveals that he understood man's true place in God's order. Yet, you have made him a little lower than God or a little lower than the angel and you crown him with glory and majesty. What an incredible statement David made. God created man a little lower than himself. That's something that is never said even about the angels. Some translations of the Bible, such as the King James, render the phrase a little lower than the angels. However, the Hebrew word is Elohim which is the most basic Old Testament word meaning God or God, small g. Elohim is plural in form and as such usually refers to God himself. In some contexts, it does refer to angels or lower small g, gods, such as the false gods worshipped by Israel's neighbors. In the context of Psalm 8, however, translating Elohim 
as God makes more sense. It is the same word that is used in Genesis chapter 1 and 1, which says, in the beginning, God, which is Elohim, Elohim, created the heavens and the earth. God created man in his own image. He imparted to us some of his nature, some of his character, and some of his attributes. He created us to be like him. Nowhere in scripture is this said about the angels. Angels were created as servants to do God's bidding and carry out his commands. They were not given dominion over anything. Man, on the other hand, was given dominion over the earth and all life on it. God created us a little lower than himself. Then he crowned us with glory and majesty. He crowned us. He crowned us. He created, God created us to rule. Then he gave us the power and authority to do it. The word glory in the Hebrew is called kabod. The same word used in many other places to refer to God's glory, his weightiness and splendor. The word majesty translates the Hebrew word hadar, which is a synonym for glory and honor, and it also means magnificence, beauty, and comeliness. That's how Strong's Concordance referred to it. David understood the highest state of man in God's design. Psalm 8 describes man in his ideal innocence. It is a picture of humanity fully alive. As the early church father uh, um, uh, 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 speaks about it, it is a picture of man as he was created to be. Man before the fall. Now we don't want to exchange his glory for worthless idols. So when I see people bowing down idols and praying to idols and they have no understanding, God give them revelation, please, Holy Spirit. By creation and design, we are carriers of God's glory. The full, see, the full revelation a lot of us don't know yet. But in this, in this season and age, knowledge is being increased. The fall hasn't changed that. It hasn't changed us still carrying the glory. Because of the fall, however, we are not functioning according to our design. The human race has been malfunctioning ever since Eden. Sin tarnished, sin marred and sin distorted God's image in us and broke our relationship with him. As a result, we lost sight of who we are and who God is. One of the most obvious signs of this loss of an identity, as I was saying how, how the prodigal son lost his identity and when he came to himself, came to his identity. One of the most obvious signs of this loss of identity is the countless and fruitless ways that people throughout history have attempted to satisfy their spiritual yearnings. When we no longer know who God is, 
We begin to worship all sorts of things that are not gods at all. Images made of wood, stone or metal, and fashioned in the shape of goats and cats and bulls in some countries, you better don't touch their goat or their cow, that's their god, or any number of other things. Throughout the ages, people have worshipped creatures rather than the creator. Some people worship their dog. They worship that dog. And if their dog die, they go through two years of depression. But God isn't dead. He's alive. We are to worship him. An idol is anything that we place our more importance on or give more allegiance to than to God. It could be material possessions, could be sports, could be money. Right now they're talking about they're going to do the junkanoo a different way. But they really, they really worshiping junkanoo. Junkanoo? You need to hear the real history and the real truth behind junkanoo. They worship their job, they worship people. Anything that takes a higher place in our lives than God, that means we're worshiping it. Whenever we worship idols, we prostrate both our glory and the glory of God within us before unworthy things. It's bad enough when the human race as a whole rejects the true God in favor of false gods. But it's even worse when those who are supposed to be God's special people do the same thing. They have no understanding. Nothing grieves or angers God more. For example, despite everything God had done for them by loving them, delivering them from slavery in Egypt and bringing them into the promised land, The nation of Israel repeatedly turned away from God to follow idols. As a result, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, verse 19 to 21, the Lord saw this and rejected them because he was angered by his sons and daughters. I will hide my face from them, he said, and see what their end will be. For they are a perverse generation, children who are unfaithful faithful. They made me jealous by what is no no God and angered me with their worthless idols. Psalm 106 describes a similar situation that occurred while the Israelites were in the desert and Moses was alone with God on the mountain receiving the Ten Commandments. Sometimes we are really ungrateful. At Horeb, they made a calf and worshiped an idol an idol cast from metal. They exchanged their glory for an image of a bull which eats grass. The Israelites turned to worthless idols and exchanged their glory, the image, the character and attributes of God that were in them for the image of a bull. Could you imagine? They traded the glory of God and their relationship as a special people for a gold statue of a calf, one of the lesser creatures. Only the direct personal intercession of Moses 
kept God from destroying the people for their great sin. Thank God for Moses, the intercessor. And yet, the people were so annoying and wouldn't change until here comes, they cause Moses to not step into the promised land. One of the reasons God hates idolatry is because it goes against his nature. Worshipping idols violates both the first commandment. You shall have no other gods before me. And the second, you shall not make for yourself an idol in the form of anything in heaven, above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. God has said in effect, you are carriers of my image. I bow to no one. Don't ever bow my image before any idol of wood, stone, or metal. Yet, that is exactly what the Israelites did. In the book of Jeremiah, God challenges them over and over of their disobedience and rejection of him. You can almost hear the you could almost hear his voice, God's voice saying, this is what the Lord says. He was speaking to them. What fault did your fathers find in me that they strayed so far from me? They followed worthless idols and became worthless themselves. Cross over to the coast of Kittim and look. Send to Kida and observe closely. See if there has ever been anything like this. Has a nation ever changed its gods? Yet, they are not gods at all. But my people have exchanged their glory for worthless idols. That's in Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 5, and verse 10 to 11. Another reason God hates idolatry is because it goes against our original nature. The nature we had at creation, that's the original nature. Whenever we bow before an idol, not only are we worshipping something that is lower than God, we are worshipping something that is lower than ourselves. In all creation, there is no higher being than man. We alone were created in God's image. Why then should we bow down to a lower creature or an inanimate object or even an angel there by shaming not only our own glory but also God's glory we bring shame God was saying I am not going to give my glory to another meaning he's not going to give his glory to idols he's not going to bow down to them one of the big problems with this whole issue of exposing or displaying God's glory or fulfilling our glory as believers is that many of us have been taught from the beginning that we have no glory. Yeah, we've been taught that, but it wasn't the truth. You know, like, like people say things and they say it so much all the time, they think it's truth. Like you would hear them saying, say, cleanliness is next to godliness. That's, that's not written. No, 
because you could be cleaning and cleaning and have a spotless house, but your life is not lined up with the word and your heart is not clean. So you can't say cleanliness is next to godliness. That is not truth. Like they would say, well, money answered all things. And I was like, you better read the whole scripture. Money does not answer all things. So we, just, we say these things, we see these things, and we define it as truth, but it's not. Yeah, you would hear them saying now, like I said, one of the big problems with this whole issue of exposing or displaying God's glory or fulfilling our glory as believers is that many of us have been taught from the beginning that we have no glory. How often have you heard someone say, now watch out, watch out sister, you've got to stay humble, don't take God's glory. What they mean is that no matter how well you exercise your gift or talent for the Lord, you should never say that it was you who did it. Instead, they say it was the Lord. Instead, they say, instead, they say, they're telling you, instead, say it was the Lord. No matter how well you play the piano, paint a picture, design a home, or create a product, they tell you don't ever say that it was you who did it. Otherwise, you'll be stealing God's glory. But that's not truth. That is not truth. God put that glory in you, and he gives you the revelation, the inspiration, on how to bring it out of you, how to make furniture or how to make whatever. So that's ridiculous as what they say. Of course, it was you who did it. You made the furniture. God brought the glory out of you, the know-how, how to do it. God may have given you the talent, but it was you who sat down at the keyboard and made beautiful music. You know, the song came to me uh, one day, Invisible Hands, Invisible Hands. So pray and believe and help you'll receive from invisible hands. And when the song came, he then spoke to me and he said, he said, put your machine on the table and get your clothes. I'm going to show you how to alter it. I'm going to teach you. He was teaching me. I couldn't see his hands, but he was guiding my hands, right? At the same time, I had to put the machine there. I had to get the clothes. And I had to alter it while he was telling me what to do. But didn't the glory came out of me? Wasn't I doing it? It was you who put on the canvas. The picture that was already complete in your mind. It was you who drew up the blueprints for a new house being built down the street. I spoke to one of my spiritual sons and his desire is he wants to be this great architect. So he's in school learning it. So when he, when he draws those plans, it's the glory coming out of him. Humility is very important. And we should never take credit for something that God did. But acknowledging our God-given gifts and exercising them without shame or apology is not stealing God's glory. 
On the contrary, it is a way of giving him glory. We honor God by developing and using for his glory the traits, attributes, gifts, and abilities he has placed in us, being careful always to acknowledge him as their source. To humility, true humility means to recognize our roots. The words humility and humble are both related to the Latin word humus, which means earth. Humus is the organic component of soil. You know, they say, thus we are and thus we shall return, consisting of partially decomposed plant or animal matter. By creation, we are children of the soil in the sense that God formed us from the dust of the ground and breathed into us the breath of life. Ours is an earthly glory, but our Creator has given us a godlike nature, His own. True humility is recognizing and acknowledging who we really are spiritual, godly beings in an earthly body. To deny our gifts and our glory is an insult to God. It is a form of false humility that has suppressed the spirits of countless Christians for generations, leaving them feeling weak, useless, and insignificant. Thank God, God pulled me out and taught me and still teaching me. So for years, preachers and pastors and other spiritual leaders and teachers have fostered this false attitude and passed it on to their congregations, basing it on a misunderstanding of a scripture verse in Isaiah where God says, I will give, I will not give my glory to another. He was talking about, I'm not going to give my glory to those false idols. Let, 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 let's read the scripture. It says, this is what God, the Lord says. He who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and all that comes out of it, who gives breath to his people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes of the blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. See, the former things have taken place and new things I declare. Before they spring into being, I announce them to you. That's Isaiah chapter 42, verse 5 to 9. This verse comprises a portion of one of the sequence of four servant songs in the book of Isaiah. It's so-called because they refer to a spirit-filled servant whom God will send to bring justice to the nations. The New Testament identifies this servant as Jesus Christ. So in the passage above that I spoke just now, God is addressing the nation of Israel, the people through whom Christ would come. His words refer to the original purpose behind his raising up of the Jewish nation that they would be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. To this end, the Israelites were to love, worship and serve God and him only not idols. Instead, the people repeatedly rejected God and turned away from him. 
following false God and falling into gross idolatry and immorality. They bow down to images of wood, stone, and metal. It's just up, still happening today and offered up sacrifices to them. God judged the nation by delivering them into the hands of the Babylonians for 70 years. With the prophecies of both the coming servant and the coming judgment, God wanted his people to know beyond doubt that it was he and not their idols who was the true God and that he it was who held the future and could therefore predict it. It's him. In righteous and holy anger at their unfaithfulness, God declared, I am the Lord. That is my name. I will not give my glory to another or my praise to idols. He would not sit idly by while his people attributed his works, his glory, his name, and his character to blocks of wood and slabs of stone. God would not allow his glory to be given to man-made images of created things. He will not. So when we're going around putting up these statues and getting angry because someone is taking it down, don't put those idols in your heart. There is another aspect of this as well. I believe that when God said, I will not give my glory to another, he meant not only that he would not permit his works and his character be, to be credited to idols, but also that he would not permit his people, the carriers of his glory, to prostrate his image before them. Of all God's creatures, man alone was made in his image. To us alone did God bestow part of his nature, his attributes, and his glory. He is saying to us, I gave my glory to you. I will not give it to another creature. So why should you carry my glory bowing down before the likeness of a creature that possesses neither my image nor my glory? Think about it. Think about it. When you go to these places, and bowing down to the images. Think about it. Think about it. There are places in the world, people are still physically bowing down and worshiping idols of wood and stone. The central issue here is that the physical position of the body, the physical position of the body, but the spiritual position of the heart. It has to be the spiritual position of the heart. Anytime we allow anyone or anything to take a higher place in our life than God, we are guilty of giving his glory to another. That's idolatry. No matter what form it takes, we are made to be masters of our environment, not slaves of it. So, Father, we all, we thank you this morning for your word. Your word is life, is truth. And thank you for enlightening us this morning. We will not be slaves to sin and we will not bow down our hearts or ourselves to any idols. No. And, Father, we thank you for this word today. We thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. Father, continue to pour the joy in us. 
And Father God, joy is one of the fruit of the Spirit. But Father, one of the fruit of the Spirit is long-suffering. Help us to yield so you can do the work in us to pass that test in the name of Jesus. And so may the grace of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit rest and abide with you this day and forevermore. And may the peace of God guard your heart and mind. May the love of God in you continue to overflow to others. And I pray that when you receive this message, it will meet you in good health. Stay safe. This is Apostle Shirley Evans saying to you, I'm loving you more every day. Loving you more every day. The more I love you, I want to show you I'm loving you more. Yes, I'm loving you more. Yes, I'm loving you more every day. God bless you. I love you. Have a blessed day.